Welcome back to another episode of Coven of Rejects. I'm your host, Gemini. As always, sit back, clutch your crystals, and let's get into some crazy spiritual shit. So if you are watching this here on Patreon right now, you are seeing that we are doing a totally different thing with the introduction. Uh, Right now I'm inside of the new podcast room. Nothing is set up yet, so you're just seeing white walls behind me. But pretty soon we're going to have this studio built out. So when you guys are watching the podcast, you're going to now be able to see the introduction because something that I realized was that Those of you on Patreon have been missing announcements, you've been missing special offers, you've been missing um, the theme song so much that people are getting an experience of in the actual podcast Patreon hadn't been seeing. So we've changed that. So if you want to watch the introductions behind the scenes and different stuff, you guys can head on over to patreon.com slash covenant of rejects. You'll get to see my face right now talking at you, and then you'll get to see the interview from the guests themselves. So let's start off with some announcements because baby, we're fucking back for season four right now. What? is this four seasons in i can't even believe it we have a brand new logo for coven of rejects some of you know this because you saw my video some of you probably haven't seen it i had a logo done that i premiered to you guys this logo it's going to be the coven of rejects logo um but then i saw that somebody announced they were starting a podcast and they basically made a complete dupe for the logo that i had had done Something that I do not do is support copycat bitches having my shit. So I ended up going in and uh, having a different artist make me a completely new logo. And so season four, Coven of Rejects, you guys probably noticed the new logo um, when you guys are listening to the episode. Um, And if not, then when you guys are watching on Patreon in the very beginning of the intro video, and it had the Coven of Rejects and the graveyard and all that, that is our new logo for season four. I'm kind of loving switching it up every season and just giving like fresh new energy. Maybe it's a Gemini thing, but I'm always needing that air to come in and just like give us a new shift, a new energy, a new perspective. We also have a new theme song coming for Coven of Rejects. Thank you so much to Corey Hoare, who is letting us use the Witches in the Trap House song for uh, the podcast. I'm super grateful. I reached out to them. They were so dope. There are three different artists that make up the Corey Hoare group. So if you guys can go and uh, follow them on Instagram, it is linked inside of wherever you're listening to the podcast. Um, if you go and follow their account on Corey Hoare, you can go and you can um, support the individual members of the band, group, whatever it may be. Um, okay. So there's just so many announcements. I'm so excited. You guys, it feels like it's been forever since I came here to you. And I guess that's because it's been a month. So it kind of has been forever. Um, so I'm doing my classes on August 1st. Um, and we switched up actually how we're doing the classes. So before I was kind of running the classes back to back and I was doing multiple classes a week because you take class one, then you take class two, then you can take class three. What I've decided to do instead, or I should say we decided to do because I co-host this uh, class with Ryan, what we have decided to do is actually only offer it about twice a year. And so everybody can take the round one and then everybody can take round two and round three and so on. And that way, really setting up for not having as much burnout on my end and being able to do things with longevity and put whole energy and heart into it. If you don't already know, what we discuss on the personalizing your crafts classes is building, closing, and personalizing a circle. We focus on learning different kinds of circles and their purposes. And we teach you how to open your own circle with whatever you believe. So the big thing about these classes is that it fits into whatever whatever 
uh, part of your spiritual journey you are at right now. So if you are like, I'm a beginner witch, or I'm not really a witch at all. I'm just leaving organized religion and I don't really know what to do, but I believe in God, wherever you are, this class is for you and will teach you how to do things for yourself. We're going to be learning about recognizing labeling and researching intuitive gifts. We have a really heavy emphasis on research, teaching you how to find reputable sources, teaching you how to research things, teaching you how to um, compare information that you're seeing that may be different and figuring out what works best for you. We're going to be discussing individualizing spell work um, with an additional focus on how to use magic and energy in a discreet way. A lot of people are in the broom closet or you're in very religious areas. You can't just go out there and be your authentic, magical fucking self. So we teach you how to do everything discreetly, including protection magic. And we talk about various types and how to choose what is best for you with that protection magic. We discuss dream interpretation, and then we have an astrologist who comes in and teaches basics in astrological uh, astrology, which is a completely different thing than like um, uh, astrology that we are kind of used to seeing and knowing. It it changes a little bit. Um, I also have a free reading for all of my spell workings right now. So if you guys go to my website, Coven of Rejects, and you book a spell working, you are getting a free 10 card uh, tarot and oracle pull. Or if you're on Patreon, then you, in addition to your spell working, you get a 15 minute recorded reading where you get as many messages and cards as come through in that time. And then we also have a new tier on Patreon as well. So You guys should know about the Shadow Queens by now, but if you're new and you don't know about Shadow Queens, that is my mentorship tier. So there's shadow workings, there's a blog series that nobody else has access to, Um, there is a group chat that everybody gets to be a part of, you get a full tarot and oracle reading with me every month, and with the magician tier, you get all of that plus You also get an individualized spell working with me every month. And then you get a group spell working with Rampage and I. And so we do a group spell working for the collective, for the people that are on um, our tiers uh, that receive the spell working. And it ends up being just fucking dope. So today's episode, I am so excited about. Did you guys know that there is a witch running for presidential office? She's all over TikTok, which is how I found her. People were tagging me in her videos saying, I just want to learn more about her. And so I had the extraordinary honor, I will say, of interviewing Brittany Jones. And what I really love about Brittany is how authentic and genuine she comes through. She is not running for political office because... um, She is trying to corrupt things into her favor, which I think is what a lot of people see with people running for office. It's a financial thing. It's a clout thing, whatever. There are so many different reasons. I think that people assume others run for political office and something that I want to really um, like push the purpose and the message here is that There are a lot of things that Brittany discusses that I love that I'm in agreement with and that we're going to talk about throughout this episode. And there are some of my political opinions that I'm going to publicly share. And with everything with Coven of Rejects, here is what I want to say. I do not expect anybody to ever have the same opinions that I do. I do not expect anybody to vote for somebody because you heard about politics on this podcast. I am not pushing for people to sway their political opinion one way or the other. I do not expect people to think and believe the same way that I do or that my guests do. What we do on this podcast is we provide a safe place for people to share about themselves, share their opinions, share their thought processes, share what their belief and their fundamentals are. And if you resonate with that, that's fucking incredible. And if you don't resonate with that, please keep with the same respectful energy that we have when we do this podcast, because everybody deserves to be able to have their opinion and their thought process. As long as they're not going out causing actual 
physical, emotional, mental harm and abuse to other people. They deserve to be able to express themselves and share all of their passion and thought process. So I want you to listen to this with respect for maybe hearing something that doesn't align with your personal view and understanding that somebody else can have an opinion that is different than yours. And again, I don't ever push my political opinion on others or my opinion in general is you need to believe that. Um, so I hope that you offer myself and Brittany the same grace that I offer all of you to have a judgment-free zone that you listen or watch um, with zero judgments in place and that you just listen to Brittany's story because it's absolutely beautiful. And I was so grateful that she took the time to be on this interview. So with no further ado, thank you for waiting the month and a half or two months while we've been in between the podcast. I appreciate every single one of you. And here is Brittany motherfucking Jones. Make sure that you guys go to the description go give her a follow, go give her some support. If you resonate with the things that she said and you want to help um, boost her platform, you want to um, bring her name locally to you. She has so many different things on her social media pages that you can go and support her through and get more information. Welcome to Coven of Rejects, Brittany. Thank you for having me on. I'm excited. You're welcome. You're going to actually be my first guest for season four. Um, I just wrapped up season three and I decided to just take a couple week break and then come back and have you like the fresh face of season four. And so, yeah, that's what we got going on. <laughs> that's cool. No pressure. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're about to be under major pressure because you are running for presidency as a witch. Yes. Yes, I am. And the pressure has already started in that regard. Do you get uh, a lot of people who give a shit what your spiritual background is? Yes and no. Some people are just like, why are you even telling us that you're a witch? And then it, others are burn the witch. And then others are, oh, yay, I'm finally glad to see representation. So it's almost like three different avenues of people reacting. And it's important for me to have representation because it's not safe for us in America. And if I don't feel safe being myself openly running for president, then what the hell am I going to do for the country if I can even safely be myself? Well, and people run all the time on like the podium of like Christian values and like Christian family values. So what's the difference between them being able to outwardly do that and you be like, hey, I'm actually running as a witch. I would assume that there are like fundamentals that you believe in because of witchcraft that like apply into like presidency right and who you are as a person this podcast allows others to tell their spiritual stories and journeys and gives them the safe space to do so some things said within may not always align with the views of our podcast here at coven of rejects we believe in allowing anyone to tell their story regardless of our own personal beliefs while we do encourage you to follow our guests on social media to better understand their journey, we do ask that you use your own intuition to discern what energy may or may not align with you. Um, I wouldn't, I mean, I guess spirituality is, is important in that, but my witchcraft isn't really spirituality based. I kind of look at it in a secular way, a scientific way. Uh, I study it as much as I practice it so it's I I look at like my, my practice what I put out doesn't come back to me but it does cause cause a ripple effect kind of like a boulder going down a hill it crashes at the bottom the energy is dispersed that's how I look at my practice so I do know that every action I have does have a reaction or a consequence somewhere out there so it does make me think about what I'm doing a little harder but on a spiritual base I wouldn't say it does. I'm, I'm have a hard, firm line of separation of church and state. So I separate it very clearly in mind. I mean, as should be done when you're in a position where you're making like decisions and rules and whatnot, there should be like, yes, you have this as a person and, and whatever, but then also this separate this separate regard where you're able to separate the two things and think of things for 
a collective of all. Exactly. And I actually use um, the overturning of Roe versus Wade as an example on the Christianity aspect, because Christianity is behind a lot of the targeted laws that we're seeing right now. And I used to be Christian. I still do believe in the Christian God to touch on my spirituality spot, spot, but I don't really consider myself religious anymore. I don't follow an organized religion because of how toxic it has become. And the perfect example is the overturning of Roe versus Wade. People, our elected officials use their religious beliefs in the Bible to say, no, we should not allow abortion. When instead they could, they should have said, Hey, this is what I believe in my religion. So I will not do that for myself, but it's America. Everyone has the freedom to choose. So I'm going to vote for the freedom of choice. That's how they should be separating their belief from the laws that are being passed today. I'm always, I say this on all of my podcasts that I always, I think that it's uh, important for people to be able to have freedom in all things and make your choice on what works best for you. Because when you are literally begging your government to take away rights, you want that for when it benefits you. But then when it's for something that you don't agree with, then that's when you want to stand up. But you you've already let them know that it's okay for them to do these things. And so I feel that way on, on so many different things. What you just said, as far as I won't make decisions to do certain things for myself, but I will absolutely stand up and fight for you having the right to do what you choose for you. Exactly. And that's what America is supposed to be. We're supposed to be able to have that freedom of choice. Yeah. I think there are a lot of places inside of this country where um, we have people that still rely on other people making like choices for them. And that's even allowed, like, I mean, even the like normal, like relationship structure that's been pushed in our country has been having the head of a household and then having somebody home doing your food and whatever. And even though we, we talk about, you know, women having jobs in the workplace or building their own businesses or doing these, their own thing, there's still this structure that somebody else, Oh, your husband lets you do that. Oh, wow. You're able to, I get all the time. Oh, wow. You're able to run your own businesses and stuff. And like your husband doesn't mind helping out with your kid. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah, that part when they, when they, I've seen that so many times, they're like, your husband doesn't mind helping out with your kid. Um, our kid, we made the child. He's not helping out. He's doing his duties as a parent, just like I do my duties. And it's uh, the toxic culture we still have in America today, despite all these generations of fighting for rights, it's almost mind boggling, especially since we have access to information through Google and people laugh like, oh, you use Google. But yeah, if you know how to check your sources and and research appropriately, Google is a very powerful tool to use. And the information is out there for the taking. I get that a lot, even with um, like witchcraft things too. When people have questions or things and I'm like, a quick Google search will give you the answer. Well, I didn't know I was allowed to Google. Well, how the fuck else did you think you were gonna figure it out? By researching actually just recently learned that there are tech witches and like yes. um, witches that use the internet itself as their practice. I was, my mind was like blown when I learned that. I had a tech witch on the podcast and yeah, he was talking about the various ways that he incorporates technology into his craft and into his um, metaphysical shop. And I found it absolutely fucking mind blowing. So I'm lighting an incense over here and I'm ghetto. So I use a Dollar Tree candle and stick it up and I didn't want to blow. So I was waving it, which looked crazy. Oh yeah. I have an incense lit behind me as well. I love that with the American flag. Yeah. That's, that's new. I found that at St. Vincent de Paul. I was surprised because all the other flags were faded and, and just used and beat up. And then that one was just sitting there. I'm like, Oh, it's perfect. It's perfect. It's the perfect background. Okay. So I want to kind of get into some things about you. I always start with asking my guests, what spirituality were you raised in? And then how do you identify yourself now? 
So I was not really raised in a strict spirituality. Everyone around me was either Christian or Catholic. Um, my dad wasn't even religious until my teens. And then he became a Bible something religious fanatic, which was a really strange flip in it from as a child to see that happen so fast with my, with my dad. And he even has a YouTube channel, everything hardcore believer in the rapture, you know, wow. very judgmental, um, told me I was going to hell more times than I can count <laughs> from the time I was 15 up till, uh, recently actually. Um, because I had a, I had a rally for, at the university of Oregon called God's not running for office, but Jones is. And he's like, that's evil. Oh my gosh. No, that's funny is what that is. Yeah. And so my mom was Christian, but loosely Christian. I mean, they all kind of casually followed it. My aunt that, I, that we'd go down all the time to see my grandmother, we'd go to church every time we visited them. Um, I just went primarily because they made me and because I got to play with kids and eat cookies afterwards. Yeah. And then I grew up in a Mexican family as well. And so we'd go to quinceañeras and baptisms and um, communions and confirmations and all sorts of things because Catholicism in the Mexican community is really big. Yeah. And so I guess I was exposed to quite a few different aspects and I didn't really break away from that. And, and then I was also in a youth group too in high school. And I went up to Canada on a trip. And this is why I still believe in the Christian God, because he, he showed himself to me. But I also believe in other deities now. <laughs> so yeah. it's been an evolution of process, a process of growth, um, deep shadow work, a lot of shadow work when you're when you're separating yourself from the biblical text to what the spirituality of it actually is. And learning that I was never condemned as a witch in the original text of the Bible. Like witchcraft was never condemned being gay was never condemned either. Oh my. Okay. And it's just that journey to where I am now. And I remember when I joined the military at 18, after like starting at 15 on, I would sneak books whenever I could and read, you know, green witchcraft and, and little things that I found, read a chapter here, chapter there, and then hide the book again. And then when I got, became 18, joined the military, I met my first Wiccan. Um, and she taught me how to meditate and we do energy transferring between each other. And that was my first actual time practicing it. And my first spell was actually when I got home, uh, every witch does it, no matter how many times you tell them not to do a love spell, every <laughs> inner witch, it's like a rite of passage to do one and have it fail miserably. And <laughs> it did, it failed miserably. <laughs> and that was my first lesson, I guess you could say, and what not to do. And, uh, I have done love spells since then, not, not forcing love spells, but you know, if this person feels this way, let the seed grow to help other people. And I actually did um, a little communication job for someone and um, uh, open communication and for the love to grow if it's there. And they were married within three months. She's like, what did you put in that jar? It's like, I sit next to him and he can read my mind. I'm like, it's just herbs and intention and, and the energy manipulation. All, all it is is intention not all it is but a lot of it is intention I call and them strengthening bond spells it's not I I'm not oh. forcing someone to love you but I'm I'm helping you strengthen that bond so I do like um the communication aspect of it and um like helping uh self-love on both sides because that helps strengthen the bond so I I like that uh, you mentioned like the toxic part that you could have of the love spell, but then you're talking about this super like healthy communication based way. So I just wanted to highlight that. I, I like that you call it a strengthening bond. I like that better than love spell because <laughs> the love's already there. So you don't need to make a love spell. You just need to help it grow. I like that. Love and, smells like some practical magic, bury him under the rose bush type shit. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, yeah, yeah. Don't do that, you guys. That's not fun. <laughs> I mean, I've never buried anybody in that way. Um, of course, I've been to funerals, but that's different. <laughs> right? Important to say. Yeah. And then I've done dream work. I've always been a lucid dreamer since I was a child. And actually, I rediscovered my indigenous heritage um, a couple years ago. I actually found my tribe where I came from 
And then I just learned last week that what I call dream walking, they call spirit walking. I'm like, oh my God, there's the tie to my heritage right there. And I've been doing really trying to intensely do it for 10 years. But when you have kids, it's really hard because when you do dream work, you have to wake up after every dream in the beginning, write it down or record it to really get your lucid brain working. And when you have toddlers that wake you up all the time and you're just exhausted, you don't want to wake up to write things down. And then I learned that I was astral traveling in the dream because I could read and I had my own little studies and stuff that I was doing in the dreams. And I learned that's astral traveling. That explains why it feels like I got hit by a truck when I wake up the next day, because my body's not getting the rest it needs. I'm just out doing shit <laughs> when I'm sleeping. And I actually have a scientific theory based on it. Like I said, stated earlier, I actually like study magic scientifically. And as soon as I have the funding for it, I'm going to build a dream recording machine that I have in my mind. And I believe that we are connecting to our parallel selves. When you have those dreams, when you wake up and you're late for work and you're running around and then all of a sudden you wake up in your bed again, I think you connected to an actual you and another decision-making timeline that you could have been late for work. And that's what your other you is late for work, but you're not, you're good. (laughs) I am. Um, so I'm fascinated by, uh, all of the dream talk. We have a whole week. Um, I teach personalizing your craft spirituality classes. Cause I'm very much the same as you where I research things and I have like reasons behind things because we all, especially those of us who are experienced with like organized religion, we're always like, but why, but how? <clears throat> so we end up being natural researchers. Um, but we spend a whole week talking about dreams and, um, on the, uh, indigenous side that you were talking about. So I was watching this, um, indigenous, uh, medicine healer, and he was talking about how they believe that, um, the dreams that you have are, yes, as you were saying, spirit walking and, It is your soul has uh, the purpose of going out and finding answers that you're seeking during the day. So when you wake up super exhausted after you've slept, it's because you are giving your soul too many questions to go out and, and journey to find answers to. And so you overwhelm yourself. And so you, uh, like your spirit never gets to rest and that you do go and you do connect with different timeline versions of yourself, but you're so bogged down with questions that you're taking with you on the journey that you, that, that other version of yourself never gets to find their answers either. So then Um, you end up in this like perpetual exhaustion because even on your journey for your soul to have a break, there never is a break. That, that, that's, I got little tingles on that. I'm like, that rings true. Uh, Science actually even backs, kind of backs that up when, when the, the theories that science has right now, when they're the medical study of the brain and why we dream. And they think it's because when you dream, it's a safe space, your neurons do the suppressed questions the traumas that you've been through in your life, when you're sleeping, your body knows that it's not going to get harmed. And so you're able to safely traumatically sometimes, but still safely experience what you need to experience in your sleep. And that's why dreaming I feel is extremely healing when you, when you can lucid dream and take control of what you're go experiencing, because you can change the narrative and face your fears, face your traumas and heal in an area where you won't actually get hurt physically. And one of my favorite things is once I started working through my traumas, I started building this world in my dreams and I revisit places often. And whenever I do, my favorite is when I go and I'm house hunting and I'll find the same house, but there's an extra attic. There's the basement got bigger. There's another room. And so I'm going into the house and discovering new aspects to it. And I'm like, oh, it's time for growth. Okay. And that's like, I'm discovering new new parts of myself to grow into. I love that you remember details from dream. That's another thing we talk about in classes, keeping track of what your dreams are about and then breaking down like the symbolism of what's in your dream. So like seeing animals in your dream or going back to houses, the fact that you're like, oh, I know that when another room is added into my safe house, that's a time to expand. It's a time to do more. Um, I really, I really vibe with you. 
Same, same. Speaking of houses, what's really crazy is one when like this swimming hole that you go to where I feel safe, it's the only place I, I'm terrified of water in real life, even though I love swimming. Same. Anxiety attacks. But at this place, I can jump from the top of the waterfall, even though I'm scared of heights, into the swimming pool and float down this murky river. It's like a thing. There's always people there. It's a river float. There's a shack came that has food for sale now, like in the middle of the river, like in this little island. So we could float and stop and eat and then keep floating. It's crazy. But then when that road that leads there also connects to my camp spot, from another dream I'm like oh I could turn that way and go to my camping area or the hot springs or hey my family lives over there and there's some houses for rent over there it's crazy when it all starts connecting like that That's and I so think cool. yeah from years of work <laughs> on on myself and I think that's also part of astral traveling I think part of those places might actually be real on the astral plane and then you've just found them I, uh, it's the fact for me that you're in murky water because those of us that are scared of water know it's the, there's like two dynamics to it, right? One, you're scared because you can't see what's in the water. And then two, you're going to be scared because you can see the endless masses in the water. <laughs> and knowing what could be in there, what lives in murky water, alligators, snakes, you know, stuff that hurts you can live in murky water. Uh, my husband really wants to do a cruise and I'm like, I just don't know if my butthole can handle that. Because <laughs> I had a dream when I was really young and I have not had a cruise ever, ever because of this dream, but I was getting on a cruise ship and got all foggy, like a horror movie and all these white and gray wolves got onto the cruise ship and just started killing everyone. And I'm like, um, cruises are a no go in my future. That might be one way I die. <laughs> they were white and gray yeah there's white wolves gray wolves white and gray wolves dreaming of a white wolf wolves uh feature prominently in the folklore mythological is courage strength success and loyalty it's about new beginnings and fresh starts generally if the wolf is completely white um, it can also exercise being patient and having endurance. If the, it's a gray wolf, it can be about conflict that you're having with somebody who is close to you. So I, and then, um, another one for white wolf is a good luck and good things to come. So I almost wonder if you had like this, like cross between the two of needing to, like resolve conflict patiently and letting things happen to your opposition without it being in your control. It was about a year before I ran away from home when I had that dream. And you know what, that the way you were describing that, or it makes me think, cause I was, I, I was woke up as a wolf was about to eat my face. So obviously I died in that dream. And it makes me think of the death tarot card, the tower, not the, not death, the tower, cause it's being destroyed but there's new beginnings in there and that is scary. So that's, that's pretty cool. Years ago. I have, <laughs> I have to find you my, by the way, like I'm just an analyzer of things. So there'll be like, I just have to look up things when we're talking about symbolism. It's just, um, I have a tower card in this deck and that's what I'm looking for right now because it's the most beautiful depiction of the tower to me. Um, and it being like that new beginning and like there can be like beauty inside of it and like magic, but it's still. That's a really pretty card. That's a beautiful fucking card. Um, so that's the tower. I have no idea what deck it came out of. I got gifted this deck where all the cards in the deck are from different decks. So all I have is the back. It looks like a starlit vagina and I don't know what deck it comes from. <laughs> How did you decide that you were going to run for your presidency? Oh, the kind of a long drawn out answer. Um, I've studied history in college extensively. I never got my degree because I'm not paying almost $600 for a PE class for a general ed course when I'm studying philosophy and history. It's right. not right. But seeing the patterns in history that great nations have, newer nations have before they collapse, drastically change, anything like that. America is going through those patterns recently. The wealth gap is getting larger. The poverty level citizens are not being listened to. Um, 
the elite are just taking what they want and think they're better than everyone else. Anger is discontent. Protests are getting more violent. I guess they were violent in the past too. But the wealth gap wasn't so extreme back then. And that's primarily before the collapse of almost any civilization in history, you'll see in a huge growth between the wealthy and the poverty level. It's just a huge disconnect yeah. right before everything goes to yeah. shit. And seeing that, seeing how us, the people are not being listened to, I'm like, I wonder if I could run for president and maybe make some national change to make the system work for the people, to make the system listen to the people. And then when Donald Trump ran in 2016, I'm like, yeah, as soon as I'm old enough, I'm running. <laughs> that, was, that was the nail in the coffin, pretty much. Like, yes, I'm doing it. I'm running as soon as I'm old enough. And that was this year for me to be old enough. I just turned 35 right before the elections. So I timed it perfectly. <laughs> so what is it about um, him running that made you feel like you're inspired to run? Is it because you're like, if this person can make it into office, I could make it into office? Is it like you were inspired? Did you not like the policies? Like, what did that look like for you? I thought as if someone like Trump is running, someone as disgusting and vile and, and gross as he is running and he wins, then other vile, disgusting, gross people are also going to run for the same position. And they need opposition. They need people who care to run against them. And we cannot let another person like Trump get into office. And that means average everyday American citizens that are separate from the corporate world need to be stepping up and running. And there's misinformation being spread right now that you have to be rich to run. And I'm going to be combating that every step of the way. I want to hear about it because uh, when I asked people questions that they had for you coming on the podcast, one of the biggest questions was how does she get the funding to run against people that have a lot of money? All right. So there's multiple aspects to this as well. I love the it. The FEC as um, somebody who's not a part of a party, I don't get access to their public funding, public funding, what taxpayers pay into every year to fund elections. It's, we should not be paying taxes towards funding elections. That's just arbitrary and a waste of money and should not be happening in the first place. But the fact that they only give major party candidates access to that funding is not a fair election process at all. And I do have the proper steps that I need to take to submit that to the FEC that all registered candidates should have access, should be able to qualify for that. And right now, a prominent independent reporter is spreading misinformation and their intelligence. So I'm like, why are they spreading this information when it's obviously false? Their own screenshot shows that what they are saying is false. They're saying that they're not covering all the candidates because there's very real financial and staffing um, levels that you have to meet to be able to continue on in the election. I'm like, no, the only thing you have to do is have a committee registered, which I do, and be registered with the FEC and do the filing reports. You don't have to make a certain amount. You don't have to raise a certain amount. And the example they used was the primary matching fund, which is only available in the primary elections. And it's, a, it's exactly, it's a primary matching fund. And it's available to primary candidates who are part of a party. If they raise a certain amount throughout different states, then the FEC matches that amount. So they raise $100,000 through 20 different states and the FEC will give them $100,000. So they get $200,000. And this reporter is spitting it like, if you don't make that $200,000 $100, cap, you're disqualified from running for president. I'm like, no, you just don't get the funds. That's it. And I'm like, and I don't even have access to those anyways. Do you think they do that so that it prevents people from actually running who could like actually win that are not people who are going to be like elitists that are easily controlled? Um, I was hoping not because this person seems to also want the elites out of power this reporter, but by how they were reporting on this, it's making me be like, oh no, somebody bought them out somewhere. And um, it's really disappointing. It definitely makes me question their integrity because in the comments, that's exactly what they were doing. People are like, oh, so you have to be rich to run for president. And they're like, yeah, basically. And I'm like, no, 
no, no, you don't. <laughs> you don't have to be rich to run for president. You don't have to be rich to run for Congress. You don't have to be rich to run for any elected office. It's all about connecting with people. And we do that every day through social media for free. I've reached over 8 million people through TikTok for free. I think that whether somebody decides that with this information that they run or want to run for office or whatever, I think that these kinds of conversation of like facts that counteract that are educated facts that are said in words where people can actually like understand them and it's tangible because we may hear the same information that you're saying on a different like news platform or something where a journalist is discussing it but when it's not broken down and said from somebody who we know doesn't get anything out of saying it it makes people actually want to listen to things i i agree with that absolutely i definitely agree with that and we need to work on changing the rhetoric is what we need to do because this misinformation that's being spread is harmful it's discouraging the average everyday American citizen from running. And that's who we need to take these positions. We need the average everyday American citizen. And if I don't win in 2024, I hope my run this, this election makes my run in 2028 even harder because I hope it encourages other people to step up and be like, no, I wanna be a voice. I want to help, I want to do this. I want more competition in 2028 than I have now because right now I'm the front runner and the independent. Um, aspect. Nobody else has as many followers as me. Nobody else is making like goes viral as many times as I do. That's not a part of the party. And I want that to change the next election. I want to be challenged, not by the rigged two party setup that's set up right now, but by people that are actually worth the competition. I, my husband is very involved in politics and like trying to explain things to me. And I get so frustrated because we are only given two parties. We're only given two viewpoints when it comes to uh, news, um, mm -hmm. where a lot of things are very, are very two, and it's talking shit about each other and about the other's beliefs and the other's values. And well, they think this, they, this way because they have to be racist or they think this way, but you know, whatever. And I was telling my husband, like, I don't even know how to vote in an election anymore because I don't want either fucking person. Every time somebody's running, I'm like, it's so irresponsible for me not to vote, but I can't vote for either one of you fuckers. And I want to vote for somebody else that's on the ballot, but there's never enough information about them for me to, in my conscience, make that choice either. And it's like, you're damned if you sit out and you're damned if you go in and you vote. And you know what's funny is I'm calling out the mainstream media every chance I get. I have people tag me in videos of Marianne Williamson being on the news or TYT. And I do talk about her a lot because our platforms are very similar. There are a few key differences, but if she's the primary nominee for the Democratic Party, she will be my toughest competition. But that doesn't mean that I can't use what's happening to her as a boost to expose what's going on. And people are like, you're so annoying. All you have to do is whine and complain. Uh. You're just bitching because you're not getting the attention. I'm like, you do realize that if I get independent candidates, if I break that glass ceiling into the news media, news, news stations, et cetera, as an independent candidate, that's going to open the doors for all the other front runner independent candidates there are. It's going to make my job three times as hard, not easier. It's just going to make the two parties job harder because they want to maintain power. So I'm not doing it for myself. I'm not doing it just because I'm not getting attention. There's obvious similarities between me and Marianne Williamson. I announced first, I, have, I had a larger following. I went viral multiple times. It's logical to think that they should have had me on. That's logic, it's not pride, it's statistics. Right. And so the fact that I'm being annoying is a good thing. I'm the burr in the side, I'm the thorn in your foot. I'm not gonna go away. <laughs> I'm going to be loud. I always joke with my committee. I'm like, we need Miley Cyrus to let us use. I came in like a wrecking ball um, for part of my campaign because I'm coming in here and literally just, I'm bringing chaos. I'm stirring the pot. I'm, I'm kicking the beehive. Why can't you do that on TikTok where 
uh, they may have like the, they have the copyrights to it. You can use any fucking sound you want to and use it for whatever way you want. What if you started doing wrecking ball themed TikTok videos? Oh, that's a good idea. I know you could wear a fucking cape and ride a ball. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that's a good idea. Cause I could take the comments like you're so annoying. Why are you always bitching? Why are you doing this? And then I just come in. I came in like a bag. Exactly. That's you could do happen. it. You could do it sliding down banisters. You could do it fucking flying in your socks across a room. You could do all kinds of things. See, get me, hire me, baby. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> what, like, I, I don't know if the word fundamentals is right, but like, what are the things and the values and the things that are important to you with running? What kinds of like change are you wanting to make specific things that you're like, I want to have a power to do this. So I was asked before, um, what is the legacy that I want to leave behind? Cause I often talk about presidents want to leave, want to leave behind a legacy of legislation that they signed in. They're not actually fixing the system. They're just signing paperwork and, making a mess of things. They're not enforcing anything, which the president is supposed to enforce things. And I told them, I want to be leave behind a legacy of safety. If we can fix the system that's in place right now to work for the American people, then as a pansexual, witch married to a woman who was a Chinese immigrant, we would both be able to be safe in this country, you know, yeah. and safety is what we need. There's so many witches that are still hiding in the shadows that we've never had protests, huge protests through the streets for our rights. Um, Oklahoma has a law saying we can't practice divination. It went in, in 2021. Pennsylvania has a law outlawing witchcraft, like spell work, healing work. Mm -hmm. spells. It's why, why is this not getting any attention? Because pagan phobia is one of the most accepted forms of phobia in the United States because we're not real. But then if we step out and say, hey, I'm a witch, we're condemned through the Christian faith, through the Catholic faith. We are condemned by people who don't believe because the rhetoric of the church has spread throughout our society literally since we became a country to the point where even if they don't have religious ideologies, they don't like us because we're dangerous, we're evil, when really it's just the church rhetoric that said we were evil and we're not safe. When they find a grimoire or a book of shadows that's ancient, they put it on eBay and I want to fight to where if you know when they find native american remains and the the tribe that it belongs to has jurisdiction over it they're supposed to be able to claim it for their own we've all seen the mess that that happens because our government is greedy and i want to kind of get the same thing for the pagan community where if a grimoire or a book of shadows or something pagan related is found on an archaeological site our community the practitioners would get the oversight of that yeah. They shouldn't be sold on eBay. It shouldn't just be, be discarded or, or like we should be able to be the ones overseeing that because that's our practice. That's our heritage. It's where a lot of our stuff comes from, despite the fact that they tried to erase it, burn it, hang it, drown it. We're still here. Our practices are still here. And we need those same protections. I love that. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I, I told you I would mention Colts. Yes. Um, does the president get any kind of say over um, leading like investigations into like religious allegations like have come with Scientology and, and things like that or investigating into um, <clears throat> things that are cults and just being masqueraded as like actual religions? I'm actually glad you asked this question because I don't get to talk about this a lot. I, I say... The president is supposed to enforce laws, but I never get to get into discussing how, and that's because the presidents haven't been enforcing the laws. So this is going to be something new that when I get into office, I get to learn how to do. But I do think, you know, cult behavior, taking things from people, anything that's illegal, I should be able to set up an investigative committee to look into these things and enforce the laws that are in place. I should be able to do that as president. Yeah. So it's an unknown. I, I, I mean, they could have the witch trials. So can we have like the, <laughs> the cult hunters? <laughs> the cult hunters. Find and expose all of the cults. Oh God. That would create a huge... I could just see it. The, the, witch, the witchy president's special task force to 
find the Colts. I actually want to get a new cabinet position um, established for um, the metaphysical community. I want a secretary of the metaphysical or secret some, you know, like secretary of education, but for occult studies, magic studies, um, it would have to be secular, of course, just like everything else I do, but there's absolutely secular witchcraft. There's secular practices. There's a secular way to study it and make sure that it's protected. And I really want to get an entire cabinet formed for the metaphysical community. Please let me know where the fuck to submit my resume. Okay. <laughs> Will do. I have to get it to pass Senate. So if any witches are out there, run for Senate. You have to be 30 and live in your, I'll, I'll post the requirements for Senate, but oh my gosh. I need some allies in Senate and Congress. If we're going to get a new cabinet position, if I'm going to build my clock tower um, observatory on the South Lawn of the White House. I'm going to need people in the Senate and the Congress that's going to approve the budget for that to be done. <laughs> I hope that in the future they take that clip that was just said and I hope they blast it everywhere is what your agenda is and I hope that every fucking witch in the nation hears it and is like I'm running for Senate and I hope that they have a mass amount of witches just all over the place in the government because oh, it would be I mean I think that would be great, but like witch talk is also like the most toxic fucking yeah. dramatic space. <laughs> and at this point, it's like, man, I wish Tucker Carlson wasn't fired because if he got wind of that, he would be like, oh God, a witch wants to desecrate the White House and get a new cabinet member installed and, and build a observatory in a pagan, pagan sanctuary in the South Lawn. We need to stop this. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I'm actually like, um, I... I have a hard time listening to a lot of people talk, but Tucker's voice doesn't bother me. And a lot of the, what he says, I'm like, okay, like I can back behind it. But then we get onto topics like religion or comments that he's made about like women. And I'm just like, no, don't, <laughs> don't say those things. You can't say those things. <laughs> well, did you see the leak that happened with their text messages and their emails? They were, no, it wasn't a leak, it was posted through court. And all of them knew what they were saying was bullshit. So many text messages between them were like, uh, this story is bullshit, but I guess I'll go out there and say it. Um, this person's a joke, but they're going to go and advocate for them. There's so, oh. I should look into these. They're, I'm like, wow, they don't even like each other. They don't, they know what they're saying is bullshit and they're still saying it because that's what they're paid to do. That's why it's so difficult to know, like, who to trust and take opinions from and whatever because even people who are like I'm exposing this or I don't align with this I just ugh. even people who seem like neutral parties it doesn't mean that they speak facts to you it just means that in small percentages of them talking they've included a topic that you're interested in so then you agree with them yep and I've, I've realized after calling out this, this independent um, person on TikTok that I, I'm not just realizing it now, but I was hoping that the independent sector of people would be a little different for accountability. They want accountability. But the second you bring accountability to someone they like and follow, they don't want accountability anymore. That person can do no wrong. I'm like you're doing exactly what the politicians do that's what how it always is right like it's only okay if it's for your opinion yeah and so i i like don't even hold me people are like you're perfect i'm like no i'm not don't put me on that pedestal fact check me like correct me if i'm wrong hold me accountable don't lift people up on pedestals don't do it and so the backlash from people being on pedestals when you call them out is is insane A lot of people don't want to face their own shit and get easily offended. And so it leaves where people are like, I don't know when I'm able to actually like give you my opinion. Do you just want my opinion or my thoughts when it aligns with what you want or, you know, and I think that that makes those of us that like for myself, even when I'm talking to a friend, I'll be like, are you just venting or like, do you want me to tell you my point of view? Because you have to be clear. 
Yes. I've actually, in, in my lives, I've had disagreements. People say, you only want to talk about things that you, that align with you. I'm like, no, I've had disagreements in my lives before. And we've had constructive conversation. That's not a problem. I've, I've even considered myself almost a professional troll flipper because they come in there trolling. And then by the end, they're like, yeah, I'll vote for you. I'm like, cool, cool. And, um, but what I don't tolerate is blatant disrespect and sexism and racism. They're like, you just don't want to, like, if you're being blatantly racist, no, I'm not going to have a conversation with you. If you're just repeating yourself over and over again, at that point, it's no longer constructive and I'm not going to continue the conversation with you. There's other matters I need to focus on and I'm not going to waste my time going in circles for someone who wants to stay willfully ignorant. I have no patience for that. I gave you the information. I told you where you can look it up. I told you where you can fact check me. So stop talking and go do it. (laughs) There are people who want to um, like communicate and debate to better understand and, and listen and grow. And there are people who want to communicate and debate simply so that they can seem like they're superior and that you don't know what you're talking about. And those are always the people to me where I'm like, oh, so you don't have a leg to stand on and you don't actually have any factual information to share with me. You just want to seem like the smartest guy in the room. So you're going to be a fucking cunt. Okay. (laughs) Exactly. And people like, you just don't admit you when you're wrong. And I was like, I actually have a video up on my TikTok where I'm admitting that I was wrong, that I learned something. There's proof that I admit that I'm wrong. I would love to see human beings stop being so self-righteous. And when you make a mistake and you're like, I recognize that I made this mistake and like I educated myself on this or whatever, this is how I'm wrong, that people would just be like, oh, okay, great. And move on where you didn't have to, where you didn't actually have to have something posted up on your page, taking accountability, because it's just known in your personality that if you fuck up and you realize you'll take accountability, I'd love to be able to see that. Yeah. Same, same. So you were talking about the military background that you had. And, um, so I wanted to tell you about this experience that my little brother had being in the Navy and kind of get your thoughts on it as someone who would be like in a position of power. So, um, he was deployed in the Navy. It was the longest, uh, no port deployment that the Navy's ever had because it happened when COVID hit, they were already out at sea. So he was gone more than a year on this ship, never seeing land. And so they, um, come back and they get in the, the port and, uh, the officials say, okay, in order for you guys to get off of the boat and go home, you guys all have to get vaccinated. And people on the ship were like, I don't want to get vaccinated. My brother is, um, a Christian scientist and they don't do vaccinations. Like that's not, that's, it's just like not a thing. And it got forced on him being in the military. And then he, so he was forced to get this vaccination before he could get off the ship. And um, I think that it upsets me more than it upsets him (laughs) Uh, just because like, that's my little brother. But I, what is your kind of opinion on, on that sort of thing? And like making people do that and implementing policies like that. With any vaccine that we have, people have the option to be religiously exempt from it. I went through school with kids that did not have vaccinations because their parents said that it was against their religion. Getting an exemption from a vaccine is not a new thing. People are acting like it is. I'm pro-choice for a person to choose whether they're going to continue a pregnancy or not. Why would I turn around and force someone to get something injected into their body? My body, my choice is a blanket statement for pretty much everything. You're making my soul so happier. I just, I, I felt like that would be kind of, and if, by the way, if you hadn't aligned with that, like I would have listened to your viewpoint, but the fact that you, um, are holding that firm. And when you're making statements, like, you know, I, you know, I stand for like, it's your body, your choice that goes on other things. I just appreciate the consistency in that. And it makes me trust you as somebody running to not be hypocritical. And I do, you know, it's not even people automatically hear somebody that say that they don't support a vax mandate and they think that, oh, they're anti-vax they're, you know, they, they don't believe that COVID is real. 
but I do, COVID is very real. Take precautions, wash your hands. Um, if a business wants you to wear a mask, wear a mask. A mask is not a permanent thing that's gonna be on your body. A mask is not gonna damage you. If you wanna go into that business, wear a mask. It's not that difficult, right? And I have asthma and the mask actually helped me because I wasn't breathing in all the pollen and the pollutants in the air. And I was able to breathe easier, even though it feels like it's stifling. And I wash my hands, learning how many people, like, cause once you're aware of it, how many people don't wash their hands and touch yep. everything or watching people lift the mask up, to pick their teeth and then touch thing on the shelf. I'm like, European Americans are still fucking gross. <laughs> Colonizers are still gross because the Vikings tried to teach Europeans how to bathe. Um, Indigenous people tried to teach people how to bathe when they came over here. <laughs> Freaking, like, they're still gross. <laughs> you can, that's going to kick an anthill right there, me just saying that. That is what bothered me the most about the mask mandate was I was like, at this point, it's stupid because people, not because you having the mask on your face isn't going to help, but you walking down the aisle even with gloves on, touching everything, and then you move your mask and you wipe your nose. I shit you not, I was at the airport. You can't make this shit up. I took pictures. I was at the airport and this family walks down, two masks on with a face shield. And I watched the two people move their mask down to wipe their nose, but they had just come down the escalator with their hand on the escalator. So they just picked up whatever fucking... Sh- God knows what on that escalator, move their masks down to rub their nose. And I'm just like, you just threw that straight into your sinus. Like, I, I just, I don't have patience for stupid. Trapped it in there. You trapped it in there with the mask when you put the mask back on. With the double mask. When, so when people are making fun of people who are driving with a mask on, they're like, you're alone in your car. Ha, ha, ha. Those people understand that they just touched a whole bunch of shit. So they're not going to touch the mask on their face until they're done with doing what they need to do. Those people were actually, oh, that's, I, I like that you said that because in my mind, I am the like, oh, you're going to fucking walk with a mask on. <laughs> so I, I get what you're saying now. <laughs> yeah. They're not touching it. They're not touching the mask on their face until they're done with their errands because they don't want to contaminate the mask touching their face. I like it. It's not, it's not because they're afraid that they're going to get COVID driving in their car. That's illogical. And I, yeah, but what do you think when people are outside in the fresh air wearing their mask and they're just walking down the street alone? Um, I never did when there's no one around me. That's like if they're walking down the sidewalk outside my yeah, house. Yeah, that happens here. And that's when I and you're far enough away you can make space to go around each other without having to worry about a mask, unless they come up in your face and just like at you at you. <laughs> But people typically don't do that unless they're being a Karen or a Ken. Or a Ken. Um, gosh, I love your answers on things. I didn't know. I didn't know what types of questions to ask you, per se, when um, you're like, what are some questions that you're going to have? Because I was just like, I just wanted to get to know you as a person and... Um, that's what I do with every guest that I have on. Like, I didn't want you to feel like you're being drilled or whatever. That's going to come up in your future interviews. And I think, you know, that, um, of where people are going to kind of want you to use their podium in a certain way to get a certain message across. And I just didn't want you to feel that way. So I don't really have, um, any more questions necessarily that I want to bring up with you. But I do want to thank you for coming on here and being so open um, with me and like, and you too, just being like chill and being comfortable. Like, I appreciate you coming to it with that energy and like being a mom and being like, I got to go put my kid down. Like, I, I feel like comfortable with you as a person and I'm grateful that I got to meet you. And I hope that you like win and you do all the things and you make all the changes and you make everybody feel respected. And I think it's dope that you're going on there as a indigenous, um, like educated, um, like 
I don't know if you would refer to yourself as like a queer woman, but I just, you encompass so many different things from what people determine both sides. And you mesh that all into one with like compassion for people. And I genuinely am uh, like over here supporting you because I just think that that's so cool. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. And yeah, there will be um, contentious interviews in the future. Uh, I actually had a really hard interview um, the other week. That was, we actually had a like, oh, I don't agree with you on that aspect. And then we're going back and forth quite a bit. We actually debated. I'm like, wow, that was actually a really intense interview. But I'm, I'm glad that yours was so casual and it's comfortable to be open and be myself talking to you. So thank you for having me on. I, I'm here. All right. Well, thanks for being on and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. You too. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Bye. Bye.